know a lot of you didn't side with the railroad. You would rather have, you know, aligned yourself with the uh, racist brotherhood or the slave driving institute. You know, I mean, I, I can see why those things are more appealing. I, I'm just I'm just pulling your legs. Um, but truth be told, I've had enough conversations with uh, members of our community and people online to know that the Institute and the Brotherhood were way more popular organizations to align yourself with in Fallout 4 than the railroad. And and I get it. I get it. It makes a certain amount of sense. They're, they're more powerful. But when it came to Fallout 4, I felt most connected to the railroad, not because they were most likely to win or they were, I don't know, without their own flaws, those kinds of things. But I saw them as the only organization that validated the personhood of a synth. And based on my playthrough and my conversations with synths and humans and those kinds of things, it occurred to me that in this world, synths are people. At least once they reach the the point of self-awareness, because philosophically, what separates humans from other animals is their self-awareness. And you can actually make an argument that some other animals are self-aware. There are tests that you can give animals that give us hints into if the animal itself is self-aware. Can it see itself objectively from a uh, philosophically or, or psychological third perspective? Can it see itself as being a member of the worlds it's in, or is it just simply acting on instinct and is really nothing more than a biological robot? And from what I know, elephants and dolphins and a few other animals have exhibited signs of self-awareness. Uh, I think some birds, parrots or something, there, there's a number of animals that have reached a point where they will recognize themselves in a mirror or they will make specific kinds of decisions based on seeing themselves as part of a greater whole. Um, I, I'm not, uh, this episode isn't specifically about that test, so I'm not, I haven't gone back and researched what it is that the actual test test them on but this is the concept here the, the idea that that if a synth a synthetic organism something that we've created actually acts and sees itself as objectively independent in the world and has self-awareness then what else is the difference what really separates us from something we create that exhibits all of the same traits that we do. Does it matter that they are primarily wires and circuitry and we are primarily biology? We all function according to a code. We have a genetic code. They have hardware and software. But ultimately, those same things drive the same results in an organism that can become self-aware. This is one of the questions that you get in shows like Battlestar Galactica. At what point is a synthetic person a person? And 
All that's to say that that's why I sided with the railroad, because I felt like there was enough evidence to side with the idea that synths were actually people. And even if there wasn't true, even if that hypothesis turns out to be false, isn't it better to side on the possibility that it's true than not? Put yourself in the shoes of a synth. If you were a synth, wouldn't you want somebody to assume that you have personhood if you actually do? And if you don't, and the synths don't actually cause any harm, because most of them are are safe, regular law-abiding citizens, and let's say you've disconnected them from any control by the Institute, then ultimately, isn't it better just to assume? So those, those are my theories on that. Those are my ideas. And all that's to say that we are diving into our first, I believe this is the first companion we've talked about that has any connection to the railroad, and it's Deacon. Deacon is a mystery. He is a mysterious dude. He is actually really, really cool. And well, I mean, he acts real cool, right? Like he's got the cool guy glasses and stuff, but he's, he's a really cool character because there's a lot underneath who Deacon is and what we actually can find out about him, which isn't a whole lot, but his activities in the game are actually very interesting. So who is Deacon? If you didn't play through Fallout 4 or you didn't really spend a whole lot of time connecting with the railroad, Deacon is a character you come across in Fallout 4, and he works for the railroad, and he's a spy. He's been keeping his eye on you, and I'm going to go over all the different ways that he's actually keeping his eye on you throughout the game and the things that that can change in the game in a little bit, because that stuff is really, really cool. But let's get into what we do know about him. So he's a spy for the elusive synth liberation organization, the railroad, and there's not that much known about his past because he just keeps lying. <laughs> he's a liar. I mean, he in a way, he's kind of a he's kind of a 007 kind of character. And he obviously is putting on airs and being multiple people throughout the game so that you don't actually peg him as being part of the Institute. But when it comes down to it, it's hard to know if the things he's saying are true or not. According to the fandom.com wiki, it goes on and says, among other things, he claims that he was among the first liberated Gen 3s, that he helped found the railroad in the 2210s, and that he is the true leader of the organization with Desdemona being a figurehead. And Desdemona is the, is the person that you go to that seems to be the leader of the railroad. Now, all of that stuff is false. He's not a synth. As far as we can tell, he's not actually a synth. And although he's been with the railroad a long time, he probably wasn't around in the 2010s to found it. And he's not actually the leader. He is one of her most trusted uh, members, spies, soldiers, whatever you want to call them. And even among the railroad themselves, they are all, all, they're all kind of dark about much of his past. Now, Desdemona privately suspects that he is the enig enigmatic John D. Now, who is John D? Let's get into some of the history here. In November of 2266, John D was the sole survivor of a raid on the railroad's headquarters. Wyatt, one of the characters, cites him as a major force in the group's subsequent re reorganization. 
His recruitment methods proved to be the basis of the railroad's pyramid structure of information distribution, and he is credited with the development of their dead drop system. Now, that makes him one of the remaining members of the of the railroad that survived and basically reorganized and planned out how a lot of the railroad works. And what makes him so mysterious is that the records left by Pinky Thompson make no mention of his fate following 2273, the date in which the Institute ambush killed Wyatt. So there's a hole in the records. So nobody exactly understands who John D is, but maybe John D is John Deacon. That would make some sense. So let's see what we know about his early life. And there's only so much we know we know, or at least we assume that we know based on conversations that you can have with Deacon once you've hit a certain level of trust. It says here that the most detailed account that he provides holds that as a youth, he was a member of the University Point Death Clause, a gang that harassed accused synths. Their antagonism escalated to the lynching of a man suspected of being a Gen 3. Shaken by his part in the murder, Deacon left the gang to settle down as a farmer. So we have a situation here where he's, he's young, he's in a gang, he, they're, they're doing what gangs do, they get a Gen 3 synth that they think is a terrible person and they decide to murder them, and then he starts having moral quan qualms i guess qualms is the best word uh, about what is actually going on there sometime later he married a woman named barbara they intended to start a family but the university point death clause reemerged and attacked the farm the gang had learned to both deacons and barbara's surprise that barbara was a synth Enraged by her execution, Deacon butchered the gang in a bloodthirsty haze. In the aftermath of the slaughter, he was contacted by the railroad, who was evidently unaware of his prior affiliation with the gang. Despite believing himself undeserving, Deacon swore himself to their cause. As with most of his stories, there is no evidence to prove or disprove this claim. Now, it's pretty much the only background we get, and... It, it does a lot of things that I think at least match the spirit of the person. It explains to us why they would be personally motivated to fight for the cause of the railroad. You have, you have a few different points here. You have one, regret for being part of the gang and killing a Gen 3 synth. Two, marrying a woman named Barbara who is later to be revealed as a synth but believing her to be a real person and understanding that I mean imagine this imagine the person that you know the best a spouse um, a boyfriend or girlfriend um, a, a sibling somebody who you are absolutely you know, best friend somebody who you absolutely are connected to and have spent years with and then finding out that they are not a real human being wouldn't part of you believe that they were still a person? And then, of course, they, they murder her. The University Point Death Clause murder your favorite person in the world because they just aren't a biological human. And then you go on this bloodthirsty you know, haze and you, you murder all of them. And 
you can imagine that your personality is definitely changed by that. There's a logical fallacy called the sunk cost fallacy. And the logical fallacy is a, a thing that seems like it's logical, but it's not. It's, it's actually incorrect. The sunk cost fallacy basically says that once you contribute a certain amount of money or effort into something, we are more likely to keep with it even when we know it's wrong or it's failing or it needs to be abandoned. We have a hard time abandoning something that we've already put a lot of effort into. So we'll justify it. That's a similar psychological effect to him falling in love with a woman, she getting murdered, and then him murdering the gang that murdered his wife. After committing an act like that, there's a need to justify yourself as being in the right. So on top of all of these previous interactions with synths that he regrets, he also has the psychological need to justify that that woman was in fact a person and that that action was warranted. So therefore, it makes sense that he would dedicate himself to the freedom and the lives of other synths. He has a psychological foundation that makes it justified. So from that point on, he starts working with the railroad. And sometime during or prior to December of 2273, he took the name Deacon and survived yet another institute raid on the railroad, with Pinky Thompson attributing the organization's survival to his escape plan. This is more evidence that he might also be the John D. He, if he is John D., then he survived once and had an escape plan for a second possible situation because he understood by then how the Institute worked. So this also makes sense. When Pinky stepped down in 2277, he aided Dr. Carrington and Desdemona in revising the organization's policies to put a focus on operational security. Again, Somebody who survives two raids by the Institute would be the perfect person to advise them on operational security. In 2287, Deacon remains one of Desdemona's top men, carrying out important missions and escorting synths of high value for the railroad. He is hands-on. He's not just the person behind the scenes planning everything out, but he is out there actually escorting and making a difference. Most of his work undercover has been tracking persons of interest. When the sole survivor awakens from cryostasis inside Vault 111 and starts making waves in the area, Deacon takes an interest in the Traveler. He shadows them throughout the Commonwealth in order to gather information on their activities with the hopes of recruiting them for the organization in a time of crisis. And there's some really cool information coming up about how exactly he shadows your character and things that you may not have noticed when you played the game. So we're going to get to that after the break. Hello there, old chap. Good to see another of General Atomic's finest still eager to serve. Hey there, Wastelanders and Vault Dwellers. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, Tom, and or Robots, as usual. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in week after week. I really do appreciate you guys being part of this show and part of our community that we're building. And I thought about this the other day when some people on our Discord channel mentioned that they didn't realize that we have a store 
where you can buy like t-shirts from and all sorts of fun stuff. So if you haven't checked it out, go check out robotsradio.net slash store, or just go to robotsradio.net and click the store uh, button at the top of the screen. And you will get to our Teespring store where you can order a whole mess of different sized shirts and different styles. We have uh, men's shirts and women's shirts. We have long sleeves. We have short sleeves. We have all sorts of fun stuff. There's even tank tops, I think. Special, you know, for summer, <laughs> but go check that out. We've got some really cool shirts. We have our year two logos now on sale. The year two ones have gone away. You're not going to get them anymore. They're out there, but they're no longer for sale. We also have some fun fallout shirts like um, the uh, Mr. Handy that looks like the aliens guy talking about who dropped the bombs aliens. There's that. And then there's also a uh, buddy bot shirt and buddy bot hasn't been on the show for the last few bit a little while. And that's primarily due to uh, me not recording in the office. <laughs> so we'll just say that buddy bot stays in the office. So I haven't had him around. That's what we'll say. Um, but buddy bot, if, if you've watched any of the streams, twitch.tv slash robots radio, you'll know that buddy bot joins me on stream and is everybody's best friend and also loves pizza. And there's a BuddyBot shirt with the new BuddyBot drawing. So you can go check that out. I had that custom done by an artist. And on the front, it says, you're my best friend. And on the back is a slice of pizza. <laughs> so go check that shirt out as well. Um, so robotsradio.net slash store if you want to go check that stuff out. Otherwise, uh, there's all sorts of other ways of supporting the show, telling a friend, leaving a rating or review on Apple podcasts or whatever podcatcher you use. And those will get read out at the end of our end of the month patron episode, which is coming next week. So if you want to join us, there's still time to sign up. We are recording on May 31st in the evening. And that's like 9 PM Eastern time. So if you sign up before then as a tier four patron or higher, then you can still join us on the call and we will be discussing DLCs and each person I believe is grabbing their own DLC or teaming up with it with someone else. So that's going to be a super cool show. We're going to talk about lots of different reasons why each of the different people picked their favorite DLC, everything from fallout three DLCs to fallout four and nuka world, you know, we, everything across the board is up for, up for grabs in that conversation. So if you're interested in any of that stuff, go check it out. Robotsradio.net for the store. And then also patreoncom slash robots radio. All right, let's get back to the show. If you have any questions about nuka world, I'd be delighted to answer them. All right. Wastelanders and Vault Dwellers, we've got some really cool notes here about Deacon to go over. And I don't know how many of these things you might be aware of, but they're all really cool. So, of course, the first one says Deacon is a confirmed alias. And as far as we know, his true name is never revealed. We don't really know. Passing persuasion checks during Deacon's affinity conversation reveals that many things that he tells the player that he's a synth and he's a leader of the railroad are lies doesn't necessarily say that his background is a lie though. So maybe that is still true. Now this one I find super interesting and I kind of hinted at it earlier prior to contacting the railroad, the sole survivor may come across a Deacon working incognito in some major settlements. Deacon will alter his appearance while following the player character around the Commonwealth. The only constant in his disguises is the sunglasses, which he never removes. He has some fixed disguises for certain places, like the DC guard armor in 
Diamond City or Vault Suit in Vaults. And I thought this was super cool because if you are paying enough attention, by the time you actually meet Deacon, you'll realize why he's so familiar. So there's a number of different places that you can run into him. He is present for the argument between Piper and Mayor McDonough, disguised as Diamond City Security. So that's probably the first time you see him, potentially. He can be found wandering around Good Neighbor, disguised as a drifter, and later joining in Hancock's speech about the Institute. He can also be found in one of the pods in Memory Den. He may be spotted in Bunker Hill, disguised as a caravan worker. There's a chance for one of Deacon's disguises to be just him wearing nothing but a left leather leg piece. (laughs) That's a little crazy. Deacon is marked as essential in all of the above disguises. If cheats or mods are used to kill him in any of the disguises before one one reaches railroad, Deacon will be alive during Road to Freedom and will act as if nothing happened. This is because all of the disguises are technically considered separate characters by the game. So he is planted in all sorts of different locations that you can come across him. And I have to wonder, this only lists those, say, four plus the fifth description about if you kill him. Um, I have to wonder if there's others that you can come across in the wasteland that aren't necessarily part of this list. He will not say anything if taken to Nate Nora's corpse in Vault 111. Deacon is a companion that can't be romanced by the soul survivor, so he's not interested in any, uh, in any um, sweet, sweet loving. His natural hair color is ginger, and this can be found if you use the modify looks command, even though he's bald in the game. If he were to grow hair, it would be reddish. Uh, He will use the soul survivor's past actions to introduce them to Desdemona, such as taking out Sinjin, being a member of the Brotherhood, and being a general of the Minutemen, among other notable marks. If the player meets the railroad before these events, Deacon will make the remark, someone even being able to spell railroad is a cause for celebration these days, instead of noting any major events. Deacon seems to dislike the Brotherhood, asking in dialogue if the name Brotherhood of Bigots was already taken. During Liberty Reprimed, he will also remark, haven't we helped the Brotherhood enough, boss? If they get Liberty Prime operational, dot, 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 Deacon claims to have visited the Capital Wasteland. He mentions how the Brotherhood of Steel wasn't so bad prior to Maxon's ascent to Elder, as well as how the water there is drinkable which is totally a reference to Project Purity, which means that he spent time in the Capital Wasteland after the events of Fallout 3, once you get the water back working again so that everyone can drink it. And he was familiar enough with the Brotherhood in that area to know that they they were different, that they weren't as racist as the current Brotherhood is. Deacon's dialogue contains nods to previous Fallout games. These include suggesting Code Violet as a team name, which is part of Harkness's override code in Fallout 3, attempting to use what he says is Robert House's personal override codes on Deezer, which he claims to have won in a poker game, and joking about wanting to convince a new recruit he is actually John Henry Eden. So Deacon is mysterious. Maybe he was involved in other things or at least plugged into organizations and peoples that were aware of some of these things or of course maybe these are just fun little easter eggs by the developers deacon appears to have acrophobia 
a fear of heights. As he makes negative comments when boarding a vertibird, such as flying in a 200-year-old vehicle or preferring good old terra firma, meaning the Earth, wants to get down from Trinity Tower as fast as possible, etc. So another interesting point, another kind of minor character thing. These kinds of little details are why these characters are so cool in these games. At one point in 2275, Deacon was kicked out of the headquarters by former leader Pinky Thompson because he was sick of the lying, face-changing son of a bitch, (laughs) and because Deacon had spent a month as a ghoul, which freaked a lot of people out. (laughs) Such a cool character. He's just changing who he is, you know, like, you can't ever tell what he's saying is the truth. I have to wonder if that's tied to the psychological dilemmas that he went through, or if he found a certain level of freedom in anonymity, anonymity, however you pronounce that word, anonymity, uh, or if he just enjoyed it. Maybe he just had a good time with it. Maybe he was just trying to make the best of things and thought, you know what, if I become a ghoul for a month, I can do whatever I want and people won't think anything about it. Plus the ghouls may not attack me. He's got a bunch of really cool quotes, too, and I'm not going to go through all of them, but there are some that are really worth pointing out. Uh, Things like the big three for predicting people, caps, beliefs, and ego. Get a handle on what's driving someone and you know where you stand. Clearly somebody who understands people and how to influence them, somebody who knows how to investigate, follow, convince, work his way into an organization. And you can tell he's a thinker, too. He says things like, I really want to know how the big one started. What idiot fired first? Why? What the hell did they think they'd gain? Talking about the the war and the, the bomb that started it all. And you can tell that he also has a um, an awareness of safety and treading carefully. For example, if I were a sniper, I'd be there or there or there. Isn't this fun? when you're out in open enemy territory and he's got this kind of general smarmy attitude uh things like this will be our finest hour tales shall be told of our fight versus the rad roaches or i'm a fan of grognak myself what will the wacky barbarian do next so good so i I really like deacon i think he's a cool cat I, i know i wasn't very sure about him at first i was a little bit wary but he definitely grows on you and he stays mysterious mostly, but eh, you know, he's still pretty great. I think my favorite one here is since we're a team, you think we should use a code name, red orchard or code violet or the death bunnies. That'll confuse him. All right. Wastelanders, fault dwellers. Thanks for tuning in again. And until next time and when we're going to actually have our patron episode. So stay tuned for that next week. Uh, stay safe in the wasteland. And our own wasteland for what it's worth. <laughs> and I hope that you guys will, uh, you know, put on your ghoul masks and make sure that um, uh, the ghouls out there in the world don't attack you for whatever that's worth. All right. Talk to you guys later. See you. Thanks for listening to the Fallout Lorecast. All sounds and music are owned by Bethesda Softworks and no copyright infringement is intended. If you have something you'd like to contribute to the show, please contact us at falloutlorecast at gmail.com or follow us and post some messages to us on Twitter at falloutlorecast. And if you'd like to support the show, tell a friend or check out the rewards you can get for becoming a patron at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast. 
I really appreciate you listening and I'd love to hear from you soon. 